Welcome to the Epicenter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Epicenter Church, visit epicenterchurch.com.au. Thank you. How are we all? Good? That's good. So I'm going to bring you a word from Song of Solomon, uh, from chapter 1, verse 15 to 2, um, 7. So if we can get the PowerPoint up there, we can start with that. So we're going to walk through this. What I'm talking on is um, standard of beauty and building intimacy within your marriage and your relationships. And we're going to look at Solomon and his bride and how they do that together in these verses. So with the, the first slide, yeah, this is Solomon talking to his bride. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your eyes are like doves. And beautiful eyes were a hallmark of perfection for women over all the years. And, um, but this is a continuation of what we spoke about last week with proactive and reactive relationships. And here Solomon is demonstrating a proactive relationship. Proactive meaning that he's actively contributing without being asked. Instead of reactive, he, where he would only react when asked, and instead he's having um, self-initiative here. And he openly shares his thoughts with her. And men, don't underestimate your power of your words. If you're thinking she's beautiful, then tell her she's beautiful. Because women need to be told how you feel about them. They need to know that you think that they're beautiful. And I'll tell you a story about Rob and I. Because I'm sure you love to hear a story about us. Um, I can remember when Rob and I were first married. And we were going out to a party. I think it was the 30th. And I got all dressed up and he never said anything. So then we went to the party and everyone complimented me and um, told me I looked nice. But I can tell you now I did not care what any other person thought or what they would say. I wanted to know what, what he thought and I wanted to know that he thought I looked nice and that he noticed me. And I still didn't ask him. And then we were home and he still hadn't said anything. And I finally said to him, and then in the end I said, did you think I looked nice tonight? And he said, yeah, you look great. That's all he said. And so I said, what? so why didn't you tell me? And he said, I thought it, and I always do. I just didn't say anything. And I said, well, I, then I explained to him that I need him to tell me that sometimes. So in true Rob style, he gave it 200% and told me every single moment that I looked nice, which I had to tell him then to back off a little bit because it's a bit weird. <laughs> but um, in that circumstance, I could have been proactive myself and expressed my thoughts with him before we even left home and saved myself all that um, upset. Not that I was upset at the party, but I was thinking about it the whole time. And um, I could have saved him because I'm sure he felt awful at the end of the night, me saying that to him. So we'll, we'll go to the next slide. Thanks, guys. And here we hear from the young woman. She's, she says, You are so handsome, my love, pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our bed. Fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house. And pleasant smelling furs are the rafters. And she's telling him now how attractive um, he is to her. And ladies, your, your men likewise like to know that they're attractive to you. Um, and out of all the five love languages, 
I was at a door uh, yesterday and this woman spoke and she was talking about men and she said, women, there's five love languages and women seem to want all five all at once same time and and we can be complicated beings to navigate and men men are like five love languages there's only two there's words of affirmation and touch they're like tell me on awesome and touch me that they're happy then so um they they need to know that um what you think also she also talks about their relationship in this in this um uh verse she says the soft grass is our bed and that's a statement about their relationship that it's it feels new, it's fresh, it doesn't feel old and trampled on. It's not dirty or dead, but rather it's alive. And you need to be careful that you don't allow your bedroom to just become a room in the house. Make it welcoming, make it comfortable place to retreat to. It's your room, you and your spouse's room. It's your one space that is actually yours together. So you may as well make it a nice one that both of you enjoy. (laughs) So we'll move on to chapter two now. Um, the young woman speaking again here, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. She says, I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon Plain, the lily of the valley. And a crocus is actually a type of um, flowering bulb from the iris family. And um, she describes herself as, as the, lily of, the lily of the valley. Um, but this isn't her telling him how beautiful she is. Actually, she's describing how plain she is because these flowers bloomed and there was... Thousands of them. So when they bloomed in the valley, they were, it was just carpeted with them. And so she's just saying, I'm one of many, we're all the same, but, you know, I'm just an ordinary girl. Um, and generally, but not always, women are very hard on their appearance more than men. And with the onslaught of media and porn, women all over the world struggle with their body image. Um, body image is the way that someone perceives their body and assumes that others perceive them that way. Um, And I'll give you a couple of statistics here. Approximately 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies and resort to dieting to try and achieve their ideal body type, uh, body shape, or the standards of what the media puts out there. And unfortunately, only 5% of women naturally possess this ideal body shape that the media puts out and only 5% of women actually never think of their weight. So it's a very minuscule part. So when you're talking to your wives, you need to choose your words very wisely because it's a, it's a huge issue for women. And if you guys could show that next slide for me. So what, what do you think all of these women would have in common. Some of the women here might have seen this. It was an advertisement done by the Dove Company. So we'll go to the next slide. Every single one is the exact same weight. And women put this pressure on themselves to be a certain weight, but we're all different. We're all, we're all um, made differently. Um, and all these women weigh 69 kilos, which apparently is the Australian standard average weight for women. And when they do that, it puts an image in people's head, but it's not, it's not about the outward appearance. And comparison is one of the biggest stealers of joy that we have. And we should never compare ourselves or our spouses to others. So we'll go to the next slide. And here's um, Solomon speaking now. He says, Like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. 
So Solomon's pretty smooth and he's pretty quick to tell her that she's unique and not just unique, but that she's the best. She's not common in his eyes. He shows us here that your spouse should be your number one human priority, number one above everybody else. He calls her a lily among thistles. He doesn't even um, call the other women flowers. They're actually thistles. Like they're prickly. (laughs) She's beautiful and soft and they're prickly. Um, She isn't one beautiful woman among many. She's the best in his eyes. So she is his standard of beauty. He doesn't think about other women. He thinks about her. He doesn't look at other women. He looks at her. He doesn't dream about other women. He dreams about her. He didn't settle for a common flower. He took the most beautiful and unique flower in the valley to him. Um, And a standard of beauty is that you like her looks, her character. You like her entire person. It's not about the outward appearance. You don't look at other women and want your wife to look like them because she should be perfect in your eyes. Um, But guess what? Standard of beauty changes. And guys, she won't look the same as she did when you got married. Ten years and three kids down the track, she's going to look different. And if you think she should look the same, then you should look the same too. (laughs) But it doesn't happen like that. And if your standard of beauty is a 20-year-old virgin then I guess a few years down the track, you're going to want to update, aren't you? Because if your, your standard of beauty within your wife doesn't change and evolve with her, then it's not going to be a lasting relationship. And we grow and change through the years, and what starts as a physical outward attraction very quickly will become an attraction to personality and character. And this grows and changes as we age as well. And if we're not pursuing a friendship with our lover also then as the outward appearance fades, which it will, it does, then so does our love. And like Rob said a couple of weeks ago, the character is absolutely vital. So all the single people, dating people, character is the key. That's the one thing that we should be building on. Because Proverbs 31, 30, that's on the slide, guys, thanks. Um, Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. So instead of focusing on our outward appearance, we should be focusing on our inner beauty and drawing out the inner beauty of our partners also, finding those God characteristics in them and um, drawing them out. So Solomon, we'll go back to what Solomon was saying. He says, like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. He's reminding her that he notices no other women aside from her and that no other woman comes close to her in his eyes. She stands out because he sees all of her. He knows her and they are close and intimate. So husbands, if you could ask your wives whether you make them feel like the only woman in the world. And girls, if you're dating a guy who doesn't see you as a lily among thistles but sees you as a lily among lilies, um, it might be time to rethink your relationship. And how can we use our words more wisely when we're speaking to our partners to show them that we see them as beautiful inside and out? So verse 3 is the young woman's talking now. She says, Like the finest apple tree in the forest is my lover among other young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. What she's saying is that he is an apple tree and all the other men are just Ordinary trees in the forest. So um, the, these guys are really encouraging to each other. So she's saying that he, 
He produces fruit. He produces shade. Um, he provides comfort, nourishment. He's fruitful in their relationship, fruitful sexually and emotionally. And she finds comfort in this tree only. So he doesn't even compare to the others. He's an apple tree amongst ordinary trees. He provides so much more than what they could to her. So um, ladies, where's your focus at? And what tree are you eating from? Is it only from your husband's? Because quite often it's believed that men are the um, only viewers of porn. But the truth is that one in three users of porn are women. Um, One porn site said that women make up 26% of their viewers. Girls looking at another man and fantasizing is just as wrong for you as it is for your husband to do that. And in the end, what it will do is destroy intimacy. Um, A common thing for women, actually, so uh, we talk about porn in that, and uh, this wouldn't always necessarily be seen as porn, but reading overly sexual romantic novels can be very common for women. What tree are you eating from? Are you focusing on your husband or are you focusing on the romances in the novels and what's going on in their lives? Um, But in saying that, we can all, men and women, acknowledge beauty in the opposite sex, but um, we need to be careful that we don't lust after others. And lust can be something small. Um, For example, um, a man could be walking down the aisle of the supermarket or Bunnings, we'll say Bunnings, you're walking down the aisle of Bunnings and you see a beautiful woman. You could acknowledge it, that she's beautiful and keep going, doing what you're doing or you could stare and then possibly follow her to the next aisle to get a closer look, you know, a prolonged glance. Um, but that, that glance just turned into a lustful act. So it wasn't just, oh yeah, she's beautiful, move on. It turned into a lustful act. And women do this also. Um, Lust is often used as a bad, naughty word. Um, But is it okay to lust after your husband or your wife? Um, It's not a sin... Oh, sorry, I've mixed up. Um, Lust is defined simply as a strong sexual desire. If you look it up in the dictionary, it says a strong sexual desire. So can we lust after our spouse? Yes, yes you can. You bet you can. It's not a sin to lust after your wife. It is a sin to lust after your neighbor's wife. So to have a strong sexual desire for your partner is a good thing. Um, It's probably not a word in our language that we use a lot now. What we would probably say is to our spouses, you turn me on or you make me feel horny or something crazy like that. Um, So, But we wouldn't necessarily say I lust after you. Um, We just have different terms for that now. So being turned on by your partner is a good thing. The only issue is when that lustful feeling is placed on someone else other than your spouse. Um, Yeah, and this can be with porn, a sexual romance, lovable, prolonged glance, um, that makes you start thinking inappropriate thoughts of someone other than your spouse. So lust inside the marriage towards your spouse is a good thing, um, but what about those dating and single people now? For singles and those dating, having a strong sexual desire for your partner isn't necessarily a bad thing. God gave us a sex drive. It's not a natural, it's what he gave us. And I had a conversation once with a couple um, and they were engaged and they were feeling extremely guilty because they had strong sexual desires for each other and they felt shameful about it. 
And I thought, how horrible that they feel shameful about it. And I said to him, you should want to make love. You're about to be husband and wife. Like, if you don't want to make love, I think there's something wrong. So it's not a bad thing. Um, we should have sexual attraction to our spouse-to-be. Um, it's what you do with that desire and how we steward that and honour God and honour our future spouse by abstaining from, uh, abstaining from sex till marriage that counts. Um, and Rob will go through this with details and the reason why it's so important in the Singles Dating Week. Um, we'll go to the next slide, thanks. Uh, here, the young woman's still speaking. She says, he escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthens me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. His left hand is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Uh, and this is where the fun stuff starts. So Solomon is taking her out to dinner and she loves it, um, makes her feel loved. She says, it's obvious that he loves me. Because um, he's spending time with her. So they're having a date night. And it's very important for us to carve out time for each other and prioritise our spouse. They should be your first human priority. Not your kids, not your mates, not your boss. It's your spouse. And um, now everybody comes in with all the excuses of why they can't have a date night. So I'm going to put up the top four excuses for not having a date night would be we have kids and it's too hard to go out I know what that's like we have three little girls and our first two were only 11 months apart so they were oops like back to back crazy and we have a three-year-old um but guess what that's why God invented babysitters <laughs> babysitters are great um you were the husband so you oh women you were a wife and a husband before you're a mother and a father. And you will be a wife and a husband long after your kids leave and they're grown. So it's very important to make the time. Um, number two is we don't have any activities that we both enjoy. I'll tell you that, yes, you do. You just might not have found them yet. That's the thing. You need to keep going. And also, it's actually not necessary for both of you to enjoy a particular activity because um, being together and having fun is what it's about. And um, I need to remind you that one activity that you both enjoy is each other. Um, so you need to make sure you spend time with each other. And quite often, finding an activity that you both enjoy is the fun part. <laughs> um, number three is we can't afford to, but... You actually can't afford not to. It doesn't have to cost money to spend time with your spouse. If you need a babysitter and you're like, we don't want to spend money on a babysitter, I understand that. It can get expensive after a while. But look around you. We are a huge family here. There are many people here that would watch your kids for you. Uh, look, look within your links. Connect with other parents. Um, do a swap once a week or once a fortnight. You look after their kids for them so they go out. We'll look after your kids, you know, and do that. Um, it doesn't have to cost money. You can cook a meal, take it down the river, um, have dinner together. Who knows, one thing might lead to another and you might have to find somewhere to park on the way home <laughs> from your <laughs> rendezvous. <laughs> and quite often the cheap, the cheap dates are the fun dates. 
because you have to get creative and they're fun. Um, number four is no time and I'm too tired. Too tired. I, can't, I, I really hate that excuse. It's probably one of the most annoying ones. And I know it's quite relevant. We're tired. Mums are tired. We've been running around. Kids, dads are tired because they've been out all the time. But quite often, once you get out and about, it's not too bad. And you get up in the morning and you go to work when you're tired because that's what's required of you by your boss. So don't let that overcome your first priority because your first priority is your spouse. So you need to give them, um, give them your time and not let your tiredness do it. And I guarantee that you can find at least 30 minutes a day to spend quality time with your partner. Um, everyone has the same amount of minutes and hours in the day. So if someone can find it, you can find it too. We all have the same amount of time. We just need to use our time wisely. Um, instead of watching TV together at night, turn it off. Talk about your day. It's winter. Build a fire. Sit by the fire. Have a glass of wine. Talk. Um, meet in a lunch break. It doesn't have to be at night time. Uh, it can be morning coffee together. If you have a busy lifestyle... You, you have to be strategic with your time. You have to sit down together if you're really, really busy and sync your diaries together. Yeah. Sit down, talk about what you got on for the week, um, where you can find time together in, that, in the busyness because there are lots of little moments of time. Once you sit down, you'll find that there's lots of little moments of time that you can probably um, pull together. But you need to know where each other's at. If I know that Rob's... Rob and I will talk about stuff and he'll tell me I've got a really big week, you know, coming up and he'll tell me how busy he is. So we'll make sure that we um, still have that time but we'll, you know, I'll get up early in the morning and have breakfast with him, which he loves and I know I don't always do it but <laughs> um, he, if he's getting up really early, I'll try and get up with him. So we're making time to cultivate intimacy and intimacy, when we define intimacy is defined as a close familiarity can't even say familiarity or friendship also closeness mutual affection togetherness companionship a cozy and private or relaxed atmosphere and love making so intimacy is actually built outside the bedroom we always talk about intimacy as being intimate making love intimate that way but it is it's a whole it's a whole range of things it's more about building a friendship than it is actually about the act of sex so um what are you cultivating in your relationships and how can you make it obvious um that you love your partner are you being a friend to your spouse are you best friends with your spouse or does someone else hold that honor and why do they hold that honor how can you be a better friend? And we need to ask our partners that. How can I be a better friend to you? Um, so God created marriage for oneness and everything we do in our marriages should be striving towards oneness. In Mark 10.8, it says, And the two became one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Um, so Rob and I are one. So when I hurt, he hurts. When he's happy, I'm happy. I connect with him in a way that's different to every other person because he's my first priority. I don't have the same relationship 
with him as I do with everyone else and vice versa because that's a special relationship because we are one. And if you're doing something in your marriage that doesn't create oneness, um, you need to stop. Stop doing it. Whatever it is, stop doing it. Um, and I'll share some things with you that create oneness. It was just a few fun things. Um, date nights, quality time, create oneness. Sex creates oneness. Trials create oneness. Friendships, friendship with, with your spouse creates oneness. Prayer together and spiritualness creates oneness. So um, I put trials on there. Some people might think that's funny, but trials and hardships um, sometimes can create the most closeness with your spouse that you'll ever get. So when you go through something together, and it, it, it creates oneness with God and your spouse at the same time because you lean on him together. So you go through these things and it's a chance to grow together, learn together. You're there for each other. And when you get through it, you're closer than ever when you're on the other side. Um, praying together is extremely uniting as you share your intimate relationship with God with your spouse. And I, I want to encourage you to pray for each other and with each other. Sometimes praying with each other feels weird, but once you start doing it, it's actually um, really good. You've, you go to another level of intimacy when you do that. Um, ask your spouse weekly, even daily, if there's anything you can pray for them um, or let them know that you're praying for them. It lets them know that you're thinking of them. Um, another thing, silliness and playfulness is one of the best ways to build friendship. Um, and it's never-ending silliness living with Rob. It's constant weird fun. Anyone that's been around him enough and he's allowed his weird Rob to come out, it's quite strange. Um, I'll tell you one thing that he does. Yeah, Alex laughs. <laughs> she spent a lot of time with him. Um, I'll tell you one thing that Rob used to do. Well, he still does it. He still, yeah. Uh, as a farrier, so he, his other job other than pastoring is a farrier. So he goes out and puts shoes on horses' feet. Um, he still wants to do that. So he keeps connection with these clients because he loves his job. Um, but there's a lot of driving that is entailed when he does that. So what he used to do, still does sometimes, is he would make up songs about me. So he would, he'd listen to the radio and a song would come on and he'd, you know, get the sound of it and then he'd change all the words and he would practice all day, his whole day, this song and he would go over and over in his head and when he'd get home, he would sing it to me. And they're, it's so funny, it's so funny and they were hilarious and naughty that just for my ears only, so we will never, ever sing them to you, so don't ask us. He will never sing it to you. He promised me he would never sing it as well, but he's too embarrassed to sing them, so that's okay. Um, you need to have that intimacy where there's a thing that's just between you two, like an in-joke. So that song thing, Rob, Rob, oh, I hope you only do it with me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's just something that he does for me, so... Um, you need to have a joke, something like that, an in-joke that's just between you and your spouse that you can giggle about together. Um, have a special name for each other that you only use for your spouse. Nicknames are good. Um, Solomon and his bride, they had pet names for each other throughout the song. Um, Solomon calls her my darling, my beloved, my dove, my bride, my perfect one. She calls him, which this is my favourite, she calls him a young stag <laughs> or a gazelle 
on occasion. So he, basically she's saying he's good looking, he's a hunk, you know. Um, also, we need to keep it fresh. Don't do the same old boring routine every time you go out on a date night. Dinner, movie. Um, same every single time. You have two brains. You can use them and get creative. Um, do activities you did when you were dating. This will bring back memories of romantic feelings that you had when you were younger. Um, be spontaneous. Don't save everything for special occasions. Often our relationships can become a routine and we are creatures of habit. Humans are creatures of habit. So don't let routine spoil your fun. Instead, make a habit of fun in your relationship. Um, Solomon takes his bride out to have fun. He escorts her. The quickest way, men, to help your wife feel like a lily amongst thistles is to have fun with her. Let her know that you find her fun is a great way. And um, guys, Solomon planned this this dinner date that they had. He took her out and he escorted her. So don't leave all the planning up to one person. Pursue each other, plan together, surprise each other. Um, so if the husbands could think, what does your wife want to do that's fun that you could be acting on? And wives, what does your husband want to do that's fun that you could be acting on? Um, you need to enjoy each other's interests, show selfless love. Try new things till you find something you both love to do together. And it would be terribly frustrating if there's always one person in the relationship that constantly has to compromise and never gets to do something that they love with their partner um, because their partner is acting selfishly and will only do something with them if it's what they want to do. And what that says to the, the other is that you don't care about their interests, you only care about yourself, I'm better, my hobbies are better, you need to be more like me for us to spend time together. You're, you're not valuing the entirety of your partner if you're not taking interest in their interests. Um, it's not about you. It's not always about you. You want intimacy, you've got to get out and do something that your spouse wants to do. And intimacy will always erode when your spouse feels second. Um, so you need to give your spouse permission to tell you when he or she doesn't feel like the top priority in your life. When they tell you this, you, you need to be quiet and not give excuses about why you think that they don't feel number one. Um, and your response when this is expressed to you should be, you're right, I'm sorry, how can I make you feel and know that you're a priority in my life? And give them an opportunity to speak to you. Um, Another thing is you don't talk about everything with everybody. Don't share your intimate moments with everybody. They are for you and your spouse. They are a treasure of memories between you two. Um, one way to get to best friend status in your marriage is to share your life experiences with your spouse first before anybody else. If you can't experience together it together, then let them be the first you share it with. Um, many things will happen through your day, funny things, routine things, stressful things, interesting things. And if you blab these to others before sharing them with your spouse, by the time you get um, to them to tell them about it, your thoughts, your emotions will lose their impacts and they'll become watered down. Uh, so when you share something, it has much more punch the first time. Um, you and your first-time listener 
will form an emotional bond that subsequent retellings cannot produce. So let your spouse get the original, fresh version when you and your emotions are deeper and more spontaneous. This way, the two of you have a better chance to connect and branch off into more great conversation. You are closer with someone that you have history with, so make lasting memories together and experience new things together. Um, if you guys could show the slide of the photos. I'll just share with you something Rob and I did, and you can just flick through them as we go. We went on a pack trip together. So we'd been talking about this for a long time, so that's my horse and that's the girl's little pony, Pascal. He's pretty cute. So we took three horses up to the mountains and tried to navigate our way around with a map and find some cool places to camp that were secluded. Uh, we rode one horse each, took the girl's pony. We had some funny memories of wild dogs in the night. Rob was very scared of the wild dogs in the night. It's okay. <laughs> they didn't come near us. And um, a couple of eventful creek crossings because our horses have only been on the farm. They hadn't been anywhere. And they'd only been in a float by themselves, so we put three horses on the float and drove them to the mountains. <laughs> so um, we made some great memories, and that's something that we will continue to do. Yeah, this is where we camped the first night. So it's just a little tarp, and then we laid underneath it on sleeping bags. And our fire. Oh, the eggs. There was 12 eggs, and we did not break one, and apparently that is like um, the golden award of pack tripping, especially because our pony, he jumped over the creek and started bucking and all our stuff went everywhere and <laughs> we had to get him back and take him back and forth over it and he jumped a couple more times. So we were surprised that they weren't broken. Um, eggs for breakfast. <laughs> you can flick through them a bit more now. So it got a bit got a bit thick in the bush and we got a bit lost and went around in circles a few times, but it was good. It was good. And we ended up, when we get to the last photos, at this ruins. There was some ruins in the mountains and there was an old fireplace, so we decided to camp there. Yeah, that's our second tent we made. <laughs> and our fire at night. So it was lovely. It was a great memory that we have that we'll always have together. And that was a first-time experience um, for us. So we need to keep trying new things and um, creating an atmosphere of fun. So we'll, we'll continue on to, well, go back to the verse um, where she's talking. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Um, so Solomon takes her out for dinner. And she loves it. And one thing leads to another and they end in an embrace. And so even though these things can create oneness and can end in lovemaking, um, we can't treat them as a means to an end to get there. They're not meant to be transactional. Um, we do them because we love our spouse and we want to get to know them better as a friend because um, we're cultivating intimacy. So I'm, I'm going to finish with a prayer that's all I have to say for tonight um, so I just want to encourage you to continue to build intimacy and remember what intimacy is it's friendship and closeness and oneness and you, you need to continue that it's a growing evolving thing it doesn't just happen 
It's a continuous thing. You, we never stop doing that in our marriage. All right. So, God, I thank you for love and intimacy. I thank you that we can be our spouse's best friend. I thank you that together we can cultivate um, uh, and be lifetime partners. And God, we thank you for marriage and we pray for your wisdom and guidance in the journeys ahead of us all. Um, for those that are to find uh, a spouse, God, we pray that... Um, they can take hold of these things that we're talking about in these series and take them into the marriages, God. And we pray that um, we can all be there for each other and encourage one another, God, and um, listen to you when you're speaking into our marriages, God. In Jesus' name, amen. How'd we go? Enjoy it? Just so everyone knows, I'm not petrified of wild dogs. That was a lie. <laughs> She is my first priority, so I made sure I slept on the, the bush side of the tent. And I felt like something was coming to get me the entire night. <laughs> and so the next night, I made sure Sage slept on the bush side, so I was safe. <laughs> I'm not stupid, people. <laughs> uh, so he, here's the thing. Lads, here's the, I, I suppose the challenge, specifically to us as, as gentlemen. Um, women are generally really good at making us as husbands their first priority. Now, I'm not going to say that's perfect in everyone's marriage, but generally, girls do a really good job of it. Generally, the issue is from the men. We don't make our wives our first priority. We do not make them our standard of beauty. Something else becomes our standard of beauty. We will end up comparing them with other women in whatever capacity. We'll end up comparing them in in some form. And whether it's completely said that blunt or not, we'll say it in roundabout ways. And ultimately what it will do is it will chip away and erode intimacy in our marriages. So here's the challenge. Specifically through this series, and I'd like to think it just doesn't go through this series, but it goes through this series and it continues, is that us as husbands are very deliberate in loving our wives. Us as husbands are very deliberate in putting our wives first. And us as husbands are very deliberate in making our wives feel and know that she is our standard of beauty. So the idea, obviously, of of this series is to unpack what Song of Solomon says about marriage. But not just unpack it at church and then walk away and that's it. Because it's really easy to walk away from a message and it's finalized and not think about it again. So the idea of your worksheet, specifically as married couples, is this. That you sit down and you communicate. So a lot of time what happens in our marriages is that one person doesn't feel loved, one person doesn't feel valued. And like what Sage is talking about, she, I didn't know that I was supposed to tell her this stuff and then she told me that I had to tell her and then, so I did tell her and then I was talking to her too much apparently. But the reality is what often happens is we don't communicate and we run into problems with our marriages because we don't communicate. So my encouragement is, specifically for the married couples, the worksheets aren't just to knock you around the head, they're actually to get you to communicate. And I hope it brings up some things in your marriage that are a bit challenging. Because congratulations, if it brings up some challenging things, it gives you an opportunity to talk about it. And if there's an opportunity to talk about it, there's an opportunity for connection and intimacy. Single people, specifically for the girls, what's put down there for for you girls, specifically the singles, is to find an older lady that can mentor you. And so one of the, one, some of the questions are quite revealing as far as your insecurities and um, how you perceive yourself. Be deliberate, be proactive in finding an older woman that can 
mentor you through that, that you can communicate with. And I haven't put that down on the sheet for the single guys, but my encouragement would be do the exact same thing. Find an older gentleman that would love to mentor you through your singleness. Other than that, that's it. Have a great week, church. Love yous. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please subscribe to hear more sermons from Epicenter Church. 